Hello and welcome to In The Game, Qatar's first sports podcast. And we have, like always, a very special guest coming on the show all the way from Belfast in Northern Ireland. Um, it's been a long time since I've been there, Stephen. What's the weather like today? <laughs> I don't even look up these days, so I'm still... <laughs> the weather's oh, dear. not <laughs> My tan is looking... I can see myself, I'm, I'm, I, and I'm not a vain person, but I can see myself, and I've got a bit of a tan, so I'm I'm very lucky to be in Qatar. But Stephen <laughs> McGettigan, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And if anybody doesn't know Steve... Stephen, he's um, he's a, a genius when it comes to um, promoting futsal. He's got a um, he's got a website called uh, futsalfocus.net. So if you want to go and see it, but that that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about you. This is your <laughs> life, and it'd be great to kind of um, hear how you've. We'll go through the different th the successes that you've had, but it would be great to start with where it all started. Mm -hmm. Well, I think for me, where it all started is basically being a football fan at first, you know, and being at university and not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life because um, I went there and just studied anything that was of interest to me. So I did a degree in history, media and politics and media is now went on to be something that's benefited me. I would never have known at that time that, I, that it would later on be something that I would fall in love with, but it, it is. And um and then after that, I did Japanese and never did I think when I was, you know, picking Japanese that I would end up living in Japan, you know, <laughs> and, and, um, and then um, while I was at university, I tried different um, sports and activities and I always had a love for football and, and I decided through people encouraging me at the university to do coaching courses. So I ended up doing um, the introductory to football, the level one, the level two, and then the UEFA B license, and which I absolutely loved and um, would recommend anyone to do. The coach education is fantastic. And I thought at first, actually, that I was going to go on to be a history teacher. And, um, and, and what made me decide to go to Japan was to teach English and, and to decide, you know, if teaching was definitely the route that I wanted to take. And I ended up out there teaching for just over four years. But while I was there again, when you're when I when you're out doing stuff, like I didn't just be a teacher. In my spare time, um, I worked for a group who were connected to the Irish Consulate, and we organized events for them in, in Nagoya City, where I was living. And um, and then through putting myself out there, um, I learned about futsal, and and yeah, that you know that's you know where it all kicked off from. Let me, because this is the one thing that I've noticed with, with so, so many guests that we've interviewed right now, especially from a sports, from athletes, from footballers, lady footballers, um, businesses, people with businesses like yourself. And, and when it's so strange how things can turn out in your life. So I'm going to take you back a bit. So you took up media. You didn't know why you were taking media at that time. And you decided to take up Japanese right and then all of a sudden it starts to fit into place you'd never had that you never had any purpose in your mind that that's what you were your life was going to direct you on but it had such a major part to play with the way that you started right the way it all started to fit in place did you find have you ever looked back on that and think it was a bit spooky <laughs> um I've always followed my gut instinct and when things just felt right to me, 
then I just did them. I never questioned them. You know, so I've watched the people in life, people hesitate. And I don't do that. If I decide that that's right, I don't even question it. I just go with it and see where it'll take me. And, um, and that's the way it happened. I just thought that looks interesting. Tick, I'll do Japanese. Because when I was at school, actually, there was a guy that came from England and he was married to a Japanese lady. And he came and did like a six week, one day a week uh, workshop and taught us a little bit about Japanese culture. And I remember being fascinated then when I was like 16. And I remember thinking I would love to visit there, but I didn't know I could study Japanese at university. I had no clue. The day I arrived, the, you know, I thought I wasn't even sure about the BA humanities degree I was doing. I thought I was just going to do history and, and that was it because that's what I applied for. But when I arrived, they're like, oh no, in your first year, you have to pick two more. And then in your second year, then you'll, you'll um, pick either, you know, one of those to, to focus on. And um, I ended up doing a joint degree with media and I just had that Japanese on the side um, from the first year. I didn't actually carry on the Japanese, but I remember seeing this poster saying Japanese exchange teaching program. And I'd been inspired by a teacher when I was at school called Mr. Bari. And I always thought that I would go on to be a history teacher. So I want to teach, like I said, and when, and when I arrived in Japan and I was teaching, um, I realized by doing that it wasn't for me. But I got so much out of it, I can't explain how much teaching was really important to help me even going into business because you get the opportunity to, to present to a class on a regular basis in front of up to 40 people. I was teaching all ages, so I had the opportunity to teach from uh, junior high school right up to you know university level and, and business classes, and I got to teach business English. <laughs> and um, and it was just, it was a fantastic experience, so especially preparing presentations and presenting and, and learning hard to, because I, you learn very quickly hard, don't start a presentation, you know, speak to your audience, you know, and, and so all these different skills that I learned just really, really helped me. And I, and, and never did I think even then, as I was being a teacher, that this would actually help me in business. And it actually uh really did. And and the thing with it is, how did the, they must have embraced you so much? You had a, you had somebody coming from Northern Ireland, and it's 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 a it's if you if you're not used to it, it can be a different dialect for people to understand. I know it's English, but there's a there's an accent there. Um, then you came over and you were talking in Japanese. You were you were doing the basics or a bit more than just basics. When I arrived, I had basics, but by the time I left, I would say I spoke to like an intermediate level and my listening skills was about the same because I moved in with a Japanese family actually after about two years of living there. I really wanted to immerse myself in the culture and feel that I had tried and not just went there and lived and left. You know what I mean? I, so I lived with the family for a year, my third year, and, then, and that really helped me to understand the language and understand the people and the culture. They must have and, embraced you so much. Well, the effort that I that I was making, you know, those who saw it and, and, and realized, you know, they they appreciated. You know, not everybody knew what I was up to, or you know, not everybody knew what I what I was trying to do. Um, I think you're always going to have cultural differences and and, and difficulties. You know, when I arrived, you're absolutely right. Like people couldn't understand my my um, <laughs> my accent at all. <laughs> I had to slow down. Like I think I'm doing in this interview right now. I think it's just something that clicks in to make sure I'm understood. Um, but yeah, but that again helped me, you know, because talking to people from around the world and being able to speak slower and, 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 and build that skill 
really helped me to progress as well as, as a person and, and to develop into what it is that I'm trying to do with my career. Oh, that's a phenomenal story that's so far. And then, and then all of a sudden, because we both, I know that we spoke before, but we both know um, futsal like it is today. We knew it is five aside. I'd never heard of futsal until just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. No, me too. When I arrived in Japan, I, I didn't even know what the word meant. <laughs> you know, I didn't know, you know, football sala. You know, I, I never, I never heard of futsal at all. And, and I think like when I arrived, I just saw it as another form of five-a-side that was, I thought was uh, traditional to Japan. Just like we have our own traditional types of five-a-side and six-a-side and seven-a-side as well known in the UK and, and Ireland. And I didn't take any real notice of it other than when I played one time, I, I found it quite difficult in terms of the movement and the way they were playing. And because I wasn't used to that, I got substituted pretty quickly. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, and I realized they were, you know, they were stopping the ball differently with the sole of their food. And, and um, but again, I, I didn't pick up then. But what happened was, is that I um, met a famous person in Japan. He's still a friend to this day called Tom Bayer. And Tom is, is credited for having a huge influence on the grassroots game in Japan. He started some of the first um, camps and things like that over there. And um, <clears throat> for, for grassroots, I mean for kids, academies and stuff like that as well. And um, I reached out to him because he's known as Tom-san. He has his own TV show and manga and everything. He's just huge in Japan. And, um, and I never for one minute thought he'd reply. And he did. He replied to me, and, and um, he was such a gentleman. And um, he invited me to one of his camps, and uh, and said, you know, come on over and, and meet. And we'll have a chat. And and um, and then when he was finished, he said, let's have lunch with the chairman of Nagoya Oceans Futsal Club. And I'm and I'm like standing in these outdoor courts, and there's this big stadium. And I'm like, I'd heard of this before. I heard the name, but I didn't really know much about it. And and um, yeah, we went up and met him in a stadium and had lunch and cut a long story short, you know, he found out through Tom that I was um, preparing to return to go to Liverpool to do uh, an MBA in football industries. Pardon me. And, um, and he said to me, forget about the football industry. It's a saturated market. The future is futsal. And for me, you know, that was really important. And I, and I remembered that and I never forgot it because here's this man met me for the first time. He could have easily have just said, oh, that's lovely. Have a great time in Liverpool. But he didn't. He told me something that meant something to him that he truly believed in. And, um, and having had a chat with him and learned about, you know, just in that short conversation about the coming from a football then background, no futsal really at all. Um, and he was talking about the players that had developed through, through from Pele to Ronaldinho to others. I was like, why have I never heard of this? You know, but even then it didn't register with me why. And, but I left and I went back to Liverpool. And when I was in Liverpool, my, my, my course was multicultural. There was people from all around the world. And I was speaking with people from Spain and Brazil and Italy. And um, they loved it. And, um, and they were telling me about how big it was in their countries and the cultural differences that like in Brazil, you know, most people who are poor um, or of a working class say, um, wouldn't always have access to grass and they would be playing, you know, futsal. And that 
football clubs would come and scout the, those local courts and clubs and, and pick talent and then bring them over to the football academies and, and they would go through like a transition program for them to be able to keep that flair and, and confidence and, and ability and, and, the, and the, their, their quick decision-making and innovative mind when it comes to seeing plays and passes and, and, um, and having the, the confidence to take on an opponent. And, um, but they try to get them to be able to do that on a larger field. And, um, and when I heard that, I was like, that's amazing, you know, coming again, like I said, my, I saw it then because that, I had a football background, I saw it, a football tool. And then over the time of being involved in the sport, obviously my opinion on that has changed, um, which we can talk about later. But back then I was just like, why have, why have we not heard about this still? That question in my head, why? And then I was delighted to hear that at that time, the English Football Association had just launched a national team. They had a national league. They had the FA Futsal Cup. And um, I needed a job because I was a student again. And I went to the YMCA and I just honestly contacted the YMCA and said that I was looking for a job. And if I presented to them an idea, would they give me the time of day to do that? And they said, yeah. And lucky enough, they needed someone to help drive revenues into their sports facility because it wasn't making as much money as they hoped. And I did a whole presentation around futsal and um, they gave me a job and I ended up being a futsal development officer in, in Southport in North Merseyside in, in England. And what I did was is that I approached all the football clubs and I came across some, this is on a grassroots level now, I came across some resistance but I was delighted that some of those clubs were a bit more open than others. And they agreed after the presentation to come and use our uh, indoor hall and our coaches for futsal. And they used it in the wintertime. And next thing you know, nearly every night we had, you know, you know, over a hundred odd kids a week coming in and playing futsal. And then I also started a futsal team called the YMCA Hurricanes. And we competed in FA Futsal Fives Leagues. And I got some local guys and some university guys and saw some players from Kuwait and Iran who were incredible. And then what happened was is that I invited an England international um, to come and uh, talk to the players. And, and, and what, what's crazy as well, which I love, and I all, like for me, it was just like the stars aligned or something. Um, uh, a FIFA futsal referee who just happened from Australia, who just happened to be holidaying in England, saw it in a newspaper, because I put up an advert, if you're interested to come and train futsal, please come to the YMCA. And he showed up and he didn't say anything at the time. He just no. trained with us. Swear to God, yeah, he just trained with us. And then at the end of the day, when I was talking to everyone, he just said to me, can I speak to you a second? And then would you mind if I spoke to the players? And I was like, well, firstly, who are you? <laughs> and he's like, I'm a FIFA futsal referee. I've refereed at World Cups and everything. And I was like, of course, please speak to them. So he ended up speaking to the to the guys. And then after that, it, I just was like, this is incredible, you know, because he opened my eyes to things I didn't know either. And and that going to the YMCA and just finding a job because you found yourself as being a student again, was that the start of your entrepreneurial spirit or was it was it before then that you found that bug? I think I've always had that bug. I've always been coming up with ideas. I think sometimes I think, I don't, I don't know, like my father was always kind of having ideas, but he wouldn't have been, um, he wouldn't have been as, um, as proactive as me because of 
being a father, having children, needing to provide. You know, I think my dad always had that over his head and he was a carpenter and, you know, he was in and out of work and trying to find work was always, you know, he had to find work. That was at the forefront of his mind. So it kind of, but I think if he had have had more time, he definitely would have been entrepreneurial. And um, I think I just took it from him and, and his family because, you know, a lot of my uncles have been entrepreneurial and, and um, in their different ways. And, and um, yeah, it must be in the family. And then I just, I just, and I love a challenge and I love ideas and I love projects and I love thinking about how you start from zero and then get to the end and the whole way across the, you know, the pipeline and, and then delivering it. There's nothing better. It's just gets, it just gets my blood flowing. I, flow. I don't know how to explain that. It's just but, great. But your journey carries on. It's like, so you've done all this in Stockport and you're in the YMCA. What's the next challenge? What was the next challenge for you? Well, when I was at my, my um, doing my MBA, which, which was another thing I'm very proud of, is that um, our, our teachers used to talk about the importance to network. And I love networking. It's like my favorite thing to do. I love going on LinkedIn <laughs> yeah. and trying to network. <laughs> love talking to people. But, but um, so they kept saying you have to network, and that's fine. But I kept thinking, like, there's people on the same level as me, my peers, who are going to be going into the industry. And we're all going to be starting at some sort of similar level. And we would be in a position to help each other. And I should know more of them, not just people in my course. And um, so I knew of the FIFA master's program and, um, and I reached out to them and, and, and a lovely girl helped me there, one of the students at, at, at that master's. And um, what we did was I organized for them to come to Liverpool and for us to have a networking event. And for us to play a match at Liverpool's Academy in Kirby. So we just met, we all, at Liverpool's Academy, we played a match, a bit of fun, got our picture taken. And actually, the, one of the guys in the team who played that day is now the head of futsal for FIFA. No. Futsal and beat soccer, yeah, which is incredible too, yeah. He actually was um, playing in the, in, for the other team. And, um, but anyway, back to the point, so... Then we had that evening, we went to a restaurant and had some food and everybody got to talk and meet each other. And what I'm delighted about is that something the university can think about doing, because at first the university, but they're a competitor, you know what I mean? So I was like, not really. We're an MBA, they're a master's of science it's, and they're doing different subjects. It's a little bit different. And I think we're not, we should meet. And to this day, every year, those students play each other in a game and have a networking event. So it's something I'm very proud of that I started. So. Like I said, I've always had the ability to connect dots, you know, to connect dots, to see opportunity. And um, and that's something that I've carried into futsal. And it's all about legacy. You you, you talk about that. It's like, it, it's a, such a proud moment that you can, and, and I know the type of person that you are, because we spoke on several times now, you're a humble guy and you're not going out and saying, look at the legacy that I created, but you will be saying to yourself, I'm really proud for myself there. And I it'll, only, it'll only be your conversation that you're having with yourself to say, mm -hmm. you've done well there, Steve. You've done well there. I, you know, it's like for me as well, when I came home, I always used to go to my old secondary school and talk to the students about the things that I've done in my life because I come from, but I wasn't doing it from a look at me type of idea. It was yeah. nothing like that at all. I promise you that. It was more to do with, I come from a place that was heavily impacted by the conflict we had here in Northern Ireland. And um, one of the heaviest hit communities 
and the, and the troubles. And part of my life grew up. I was born in 82. We didn't have peace until 98. But the troubles didn't really end until about 2001 because there was still stuff happening that was being ignored. But, but it was still there. But I would say from 2001 onwards, we started to see what would be the normalization of some sort compared to what we just lived through. And, um, and you know, I saw when I was at school, like 180 stu students um, did their GCSEs in my year. And I think only something like 15 of them went straight on to higher education out of 180. Oh my word. I, I wanted to go back to tell people like, just because of where you're from doesn't limit you. You can do whatever you want as long as you know how much you want it. And if you know how much you want it, then just fight for it and put your, all your concentration and effort into achieving it. Don't let anything about coming from here, we're coming, because I said to them, I come from the same places that you do. I grew up on that road. I grew up in that estate. My family's from there. The only difference is, is that I believe I can do something. You don't. And that and is the only difference you have to believe. At this stage, I just want to, because a, a lot of people are not going to even remember. I'm old enough that I, I do remember the, the um, troubles in, in Northern Ireland and especially Belfast. Um, and it was tough times. It needed people like yourself to be able to come back to Ireland and say, hey, listen, you've got as much opportunity to do it as much as I have. Go and do it. Just dream. It really is. It's, it's like, you know, it's people ask me to this day, how have you done things that you've done that, you know, like that you've done? And I say, one, I make time and two, I just do it. I don't even, I don't yeah. even hesitate. It's like I said to you, if you overthink anything, you may never do it. If you're always going to think of a barrier to something, then you'll never do anything. Just do it. And if it fails, so what? It doesn't yeah. matter. So some people are so scared to fail. It's incredible. I have failed loads of times and things, but I yeah. learned from them. I reflected on them and said, what happened wrong there? Oh, that did. Well, I'll not do that again. And I just did something. And, I just did it differently. It's, you it's, listen to the, the one thing that I, I listened, I, I read a book once, which was called Untethered Soul. And I thought the best thing in my life was my intuition, that person that was telling me what to do in my mind. And, and I listened to this book, and it's a fantastic book, by the way. It's just unbelievable. But it told me in the first couple of paragraphs that that person in, in, um, in your head that was telling you what to do was not always the greatest person to listen to because he knew all your weaknesses, he knew all your failures, and he was going to remind you of them as you were going through the tough times. Do you listen to that person in your head, or do you just, as you said, go on and do it? Like I said, I, if I get negativity, I stop it. I just stop it dead. I don't listen to it because I have to believe I can do something. You know what I mean? It's like if you, if you don't believe you can do something, why would you do anything at all? Well done, so I, I just say that's what I'm going to do. And I was work, work towards that. Yeah, well done, Stephen. That's, that's just that's, fantastic. It's so important. Yeah, it, it's all a mindset. It, it really is like anything in life. When I was doing my GCSEs, I said I would do my A-levels. A-levels degree, degree, masters, go to Japan, you know, do an MBA, work in the football industry. I will do, I will do, and I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. If you put it out there, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's really true. Put it out there, say it loud, loud, and when it's out there, you have to do it because... 
you know, especially sometimes I do things like I will say to someone, I'm going to do something because I feel if I put it out there and I've said it to them, I'll do it, I can't embarrass myself now. I've said I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that comes from anything. You know, like, like I read it this moment. At this moment in time, like I said to my girlfriend, like I'm going to do a, a static line parachute jump, right? Of like, which is like 2,000 feet. And I've already paid for it. I've done the training. I just couldn't do it because of COVID, but they're going to allow me to do it soon. So that's the next thing for me. You know, earlier this year, I, me and her oh, said, Lord. we're going to travel around Ireland. And we did. We said we're going to climb the highest mountain in Ireland. And we did. And, um, and we said we would go out every other weekend and hike, and we have. You know, it's make time and just go do it. Don't it's creating do it. habits, right? It's creating yeah. habits. And once you've got them created, and I'm so glad that we're talking about this because it is a sports podcast, but it is kind of, this is what makes you so determined. And this is when you get something that you love, like sports, it just drives you forward. Yeah, yeah, Dad. Like for me, sports was just something that always brought me joy, no matter what it was. I love watching sports in general, not just futsal or football. It's it's like I I love watching documentaries about sports. Like at the minute, I've got an addiction to basketball documentaries. I've been watching tons of them on Netflix, and I'm um, learning a lot about the basketball industry, which has really influenced me too. And um, learning about the American, American football as well, I, I'm getting more and more fascinated by American sports. So, you know, futsal sport, sorry, is 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 a is an addiction. Of many, of many, when you when you're that type of person, it, it just it's just a joy. And know? and we're not going to talk about much, but you've you've got a um, and I'm I'm just going to say this: you've got a wonderful website that brings people all the way around the world together, where they can discuss futsal. It's it's um, futsalfocus.net. Um, how did that all begin? What was it, what was your driving force? Be you had all this experience. What was the driving force that you went in that direction with? And did you really think it would get to anywhere? Um, no, like I never. I had a dream. You know, you have visions, you have dreams, and you. Pardon me again. Um, you, um, hard to put it, I did it step by step and, and, and knew I had to be patient, you know, and I have to say like trying to do this has helped me a lot with my patience. When I was younger, I didn't have a lot of patience. If I wanted something, I wanted it done now. You know what I mean? That's why sometimes I found it hard with languages you know, I wanted to speak now, <laughs> not, not a year from now, not two years from now. I want to speak now, you know what I mean? And um, when I was trying to learn Japanese, sometimes I used to get so frustrated. But, but what I'm getting at is that, so when I was at UEFA, um, I had the opportunity to speak with people like Arsene Wenger, who was doing interviews and stuff like that for, for different uh, broadcasters. And, and um, I got to speak with uh, Karambu and, and, and different football players and, and um, I got to speak with um, a lot of executives who were working for UEFA at high level and, and also working for like uh, broadcasters as well. And I used to just go out and network on the floor. I just, when I had my lunch, I loved that. 
I just go out onto the floor and just talk to random people. <laughs> That's what I do. I do that. I do that now, and I love. You know what I love doing? I love it when I'm in a lift and they can't go anywhere. I know we've got COVID, and I know that there's there's restrictions, but I do love that. It's it's my my biggest thing. And anybody that knows me, when I get into a lift and there's somebody in there, they're chuckling to themselves because I want to get their business card. I want to know. Yeah. I want to go for a coffee with them. I want to find how we can work together. But that was the great thing you see about at UEFA is that um, um, it really was like, what's that advert again? Is it is it Carlsberg? You know, is it does the football thing? You know, it really was like that. You know what I mean? It was like we after work, there, you know, we would get free beers. You know, we would get food. You could just go to the, it was all free and you would just sit down with different different people all the time. And and that's what I did. I talked to people and I always asked them about futsal. And what I quickly started to understand is especially from people at UEFA, that UEFA had the intention to develop it more, which I thought was great. And, um, and then I started to understand that it's not just a development tool for football. It's an opportunity. It's a sport in its own right. So that, that's, came, that's what came out of that, that journey, that, that, that uh, six months of living in Poland and, and working for UEFA was um, I got a real insight into the sport and then understanding that um, you know, this was growing around the world. And, um, and the impact it could have, not just as for football, but for people who were more suited to that style of playing the game. Because where we grew up, as you know, if you don't make it a football, you don't make it at all. And there are some people who are just, you know, if you go to any Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, five aside, or but, you know, goals or, or any other, you know, private um, pits being, you know, rented out for leagues, I've sat there and watched some talented people but I know they wouldn't be the same on a football pitch, which is quite bigger because they we they we don't have here transition programs like you have in Brazil for people who are talented to be able to use that style of play on the bigger pitch, and we don't also we don't have um, an option for people who maybe actually prefer. I, there's people out there who love playing five aside but wouldn't watch a football match, have absolutely no interest, wouldn't support a team. Wouldn't even, we're not interested in football, but they would go play five aside because they really enjoy kicking the ball about. So you know that's when I realized there's an there's an there's an industry there. There's a there's a market there. There's an opportunity there, and yet we are not embracing it here in the UK and Ireland. We're, we're not not to the extent that it should be. And as you know, recently the FA has pulled its um, support for the elite game, which is you know devastating for people like me and others who know how important England is in general as a market. And, um, and to see them do that and um, was, was very upsetting. And I hope they'll change their mind. They use COVID as an excuse, but I, you know, I don't know if I believe that, but hopefully you know, that is the case. And when you know, we finally get control of this, this um, pandemic we find ourselves in, then you know, hopefully that the elite game will get the support it has. But, but that's where it started. So to answer your question, I returned, I returned home and it just came to me one day. It was like, obviously, the void here is awareness. So I just started a page on Facebook first. I started to interview people and share those interviews and watched it grow. And then started to started a, a Twitter page and then a, a LinkedIn page and then a website and then an Instagram. Um, and I watched it grow. I grew with the industry. You know, I grew with Hard Food Salt growing, you know, and... Um, and then UEFA launched more uh, competitions for under 19s and for women. And I saw the, with more content, more people viewing and, and engaging. 
and and then also I, I launched I working with the Irish Football Association I launched their first ever international um, futsal tournament with uh, their head coach and um, Jonathan Michael and I also brought over coaches and teams and we had a tournament and 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 then I saw more interest from people starting to become aware and then. In 2017, I launched the world's first futsal business conference and I secured Tramia Rovers as a partner. And then I also got sponsorship from um, the Professional Footballers Association, Umbro, MyKujo, which is an online platform <laughs> for sports. And um, and yeah, it just, uh, and I invited people from all around the world. And, um, and, and, then, and then every, after that conference, though it was a success, I learned from it and I realized that I wanted a better strategy to launch it again, which I will do in the near future. And um, and I focus more on, at the moment, futsal being a media platform. And now it, it's incredible the, the engagement levels that futsal focus is getting. I, 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 and I'm going to go back. You were a one-man show and you started building this and then you started organizing these events. Did you have no fear whatsoever? Did you have no fear, fear of failure? No. <laughs> I'm not being, I am not being, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not really, I'm honest to God, I'm not being arrogant here. I don't think like that. It's not an arrogance. It's not, it's, it's, if you don't know, you'll, if you don't do, you'll never know. And I would hate to, to look back ever and think I should have done. I should have. Why did I not do that? Anything I think I should do, I do it. I don't know how to explain that. Well, you do it. It's like you're doing it. And, and you go from strength to strength. It's incredible. But it's all to do with your, it's, it's to do with those experiences that you've had. And, and I know that I've had a few conversations with you now. And, um, and it, I, I take my hat off to you because you've not had it easy. And, and not, nobody has got it easy. But you're a, a perfect example to, for people to listen to, to look up and say, yeah, don't have the fear. Just keep going. You'll be okay. Just make it work. You're the one. And when people say to me, they say to me, um, they look up and they say, what's the, what's the best thing to do? What, what, what decision should I make? And I said, it, whatever decision you choose to make is the right decision because you're the one that's going to have to make it work. And you're the one that dictates on which way it goes. Mm -hmm. what, what would I will say to anyone listening to this um, interview is that if I look back on my life with what I've never understood is, and I'm sure you've saw the, this in, in pe certain people that they achieve something and they only enjoy it for an hour or a day. They, they don't build their self-worth and confidence out of it. As much as quick as they achieve it, they sometimes just let it go and move on to the next thing. And there's nothing wrong with moving on to the next thing, but you have to take something away from everything you achieve. You need to look back and think, how did I do that? Or if you didn't achieve it to the level you hoped, why did it not happen? Reflecting on life is something I do every day continuously, trying to understand my weaknesses and trying to understand, well, if I think these weaknesses are something that I can't do, how do I fill them? Being, not being scared to reach out to people, not being frightened to ask the question, because some people feel stupid if they ask, you know, yeah. thinking like someone should feel like they should know. I don't think like that. Why should I know everything? I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. If I don't know it, I'll just ask someone. And, 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 um, and I learn. It's a, it's a constant learning process. And it's not being afraid to say I don't understand or I don't know or 
can you help me? You know, it's every single that. question is a yeah. difficult question if you don't know the answer to it. And it could be the simplest of answers, but if you don't know it, it's it's the what the biggest one in the world. It's the most difficult one in the world. And I, I think that's that's what I always try and mm -hmm. say with startups is is that you just got to keep on asking, you've got to keep on exploring, you've got to keep on learning those mistakes and, and understanding where those mistakes happened. Well, me and you talked about it before when we had a great conversation around what you do with startups and how you work as a mentor. I was telling you about my experience on the Entrepreneurial Spark program. You know, when I went on to that, I was only doing futsal focus only a few years, you know, like three years. And it really helped me to really structure futsal focus better and to have a, a, a better understanding of what I was trying to achieve. Because even then, three years in, I don't even think I actually knew really what it was I was trying to do for futsal. And I had all these different ideas, but how they came together to, to benefit me step by step, you know, it wasn't that, the clarity wasn't there. But by the time I finished that program and through the mentorship that I had, um, I felt a lot happier and I felt a lot more at ease. And see, because I had the opportunity to see other entrepreneurs working and what they were going through and understanding I'm not alone, this is normal, you know, and then also having people tell me who were successful, you know, this is, you, you have to decide if this is the life for you, you know, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they were like entrepreneurship, if this is just an idea or concept you had one day and you thought, I'll give this a go, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you know you're not too free then, then don't go in further because you might regret it. You know, entrepreneurship is a lifestyle and, um, and it's a roller coaster. It's an absolute roller coaster. And, um, yeah. and I have been up and I have been down, but I have to say, looking back, I wouldn't change it because I, if from the up and the down, I learned something. But, but and like Stephen, I said, in, and I told you before, like a guy. I, no, no, sorry. Go you, ahead, yeah. Stephen, I, I, I'm sorry to. I, I think oh. we've got a bit of a lag here, but but the the thing with you is, it just let people know you're communicating with virtually every part of the world with who's playing futsal right now, correct? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, like you know, there's not a there's not a continent. Uh, where futsal focus is not known on. And um, I have people like, for instance, they give you an idea of the, the interaction with content from January 19 to January 20 last, of last year, um, Facebook and Instagram combined had over 40 million impressions and 2.4 million people engaging with the content. And, and I'm always talking to people from Angola to France, to the Philippines, to Brazil, to Portugal, to Russia, to Croatia, to New Zealand, to Australia. There's not a day going back goes by where I don't talk to someone out of the futsal industry and, and try to get an understanding of what's going on in their country and on the stresses that they're you know feeling or the, the barriers they're finding or the walls they're coming up against or the achievements and successes that they're having. And and I love to know all that because I want to share that information. And I and I think when I got involved in futsal, Futsal was very localized and regionalized, and, and, to, and to many respects, it still is to this day. And I'm trying to help break that. I want people to be interested and concerned with what's going on in France or Germany or Italy or anywhere else. I want the futsal industry, pardon me, I want, um, I want people involved to care more than just playing because 
it's very important for us to get people to play. Of course, it's a sport. We need them to be involved. And if we can grow the recreational market, of course, that looks great to say we have X amount of people around the world playing futsal. But that is a, that is a market within a market that is making money for the provider. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's making making money for the futsal industry as a as, as a wider entity as a wider market. Sorry, because those players may not support a team. Those players may not support their own national team. Those players may not even know about the UEFA Futsal Champions League or the FIFA Futsal World Cup because their awareness is limited. And some of them might even see it just as a football development tool, which not which it isn't, sorry. And, um, you know, we need them to be more, we need them to be, their passion for the sport to be ignited past just kicking the ball on a Friday night in some futsal court. Because if they're not willing to go in and spend their money to watch a club, to watch the national team, to watch it on TV, to buy a jersey, to buy a ball, you know, if they're not going to do that, then we don't have a market, we don't have a business. And we need, we need them to come up and we need these passionate people, especially from the business end, who love futsal to get more involved in the game because we need more business people involved. And do you, uh, do you feel that you're winning? I, I know that you're going. I know your answer going to be here. I, I know what it is. I I feel we're definitely making steps forward. Um, what for me, what's incredible is like, um, for for example, you know, having people contact me from recently um, from Angola where they're launching professional futsal in February. You know, when you, Angola has a massive population and its most popular sport is futsal, recreationally. Oh. Most popular sport, yes, in, in Africa, in Angola. And, um, and they just qualified for their, for their first FIFA Futsal World Cup. So on the back of that qualification, they're now launching professional futsal. Because this country has only qualified for one ever football World Cup. So now they, can, they see that they could dominate African futsal um, for the next, you know, 10, 15 years until the other countries come up to the level and be able to compete more with them. So they see an opportunity to grow the game and, and, to, and to cut out their market share, you know, in Africa and, and, um, and, and also be seen as a leader, as a leader in the sport in Africa. And, um, and, and, all, and what happened for me is, is one of the guys involved, Dino Paolo, uh, told me that he'd been following Futsal Focus for five years and that helped to educate and enlighten him about what was going on around the world outside of Angola, you know, and that was the same for um, Kevin Goku in the uh, Philippines, who I did an article with recently too, and um, said that I had helped to educate him. And, um, and and also he's a FIFA master student who actually <laughs> got to play in one of those games I was talking about recently. So, you know, for me to know that for someone like him to have done that master's, to play in that networking event and had no idea that I'd organized the first one to then learn later, that he had been following futsal focus for five years, you know, something like that is just like unbelievable. It's it's it's, it's wonderful to know. I watched, I I watched, I I read your web, I went through your website, and and what touched me the most is is the way that you are trying to to get people's stories out there. A bit like our podcast is is trying to get people to talk talk about them, themselves and and how they've made a difference. You, the difference that you're making, Stephen, and I, I've got to say this, and I, I, I know I'm, a, I'm the, a, your massive fan because of what you're doing with that website of yours and the people that you're assisting. And just like those two, sto those two stories now, that on the back of them listening and, and being educated by your website, they've now gone off and created something that they've, 
they've they've qualified for for futsal world cup that's just amazing well yeah, well i won't take all the credit for their ability to to um qualify for world cup but what i will say is that you know dino paulo at that, that time obviously understood what futsal was from his connection to football but helping to educate him and make him aware that so much was going on around the world has yeah, helped to increase his passion to want to drive the game back home in Angola. And now he's doing that and he's helping to launch professional futsal, which is just incredible. And um, and also out of that, you see, is, is, is um, I, you know, getting messages from people quite a lot thanking me for things that I do. And, and um, you know, and, and this is why, again, I, I decided to do interviews like this because um, I've been doing it eight years now. And, and for about two years in, I started to be asked to do interviews and I wouldn't do them. Um, I always said no. And and people were always like, what are you doing? That's just great. You need to grow your profile. But at that time, and, and still, you know, it's important. And uh, um, I've built it eight years of just about the brand, the business, and the sport. But now I'm getting so many questions about people asking, like, who are you? Why are you doing this? And I thought, well, maybe it is a time to come out and just say hello and, um, and, and, and explain my story. And maybe my story would help to bring more people into the game, you know? You're an inspiration, let me tell you. And, and, uh, and I know that, that if, when people get to know your story, um, it's, it's gonna be inspirational to so many people in Northern Ireland. It's, it's gonna be because you've, you've, you've epitomized that, that get up and go, come on, let's go and do it. We can do it, whatever the, whatever. And, and that's the spirit that we want because with people like you, the, the ones that are making a difference, those, the world's in a better place. And I know that we are talking about futsal right now, but this, or what, I, and again, it'd be a question. This is doing so much good for uh, for communities, right? So you said about Angola. It's the biggest sport in Ang Angola right now. What it must be doing huge things for that that community. It's it's got huge effects. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's like futsal at a community level. For me, is the next opportunity in these developing countries. I hear people in developing futsal nations where there's still a developing market talking about building these extravagant facilities and wanting huge amounts of money. And, 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 and I'm not saying don't have those dreams and continue to drive towards that, but you have to start small. I started small, you know? I didn't just launch all these platforms in one go and this website and then just start putting myself under all this pressure to be making sure they're constantly um, filled with content. Um, I started slowly and I build it up. And then, and also when you start slowly and you build it up, you build up a, a working, you know, a way of working, you know? So then you start to get used to that level of demand and you start to get used to, because if you put too much pressure on yourself at the beginning, you could burn out very quickly. Um, you, you really have to be careful about how much you throw yourself into what you're trying to do at the beginning stage. You need to take it step by step. And I'm glad that I did that. I'm glad that I was realistic. I'm glad that I knew because I, I think also like going back to when we we're talking about startups, I told you before in a conversation about the man that told me, give me a reality check. You know, you know, this is a niche, a niche sport, a growing sport. I would say to you, you know, it'll be 10 to 15 years. And back then, you know, that, that, that kind of was scary, like 10 to 15 years of my life, you know, like, 
you know, for some people that might have been a done. You know, they might have just went, well, then, you know, I'm not that, you know, I'm just going to leave it. But it didn't, it didn't do that for me. When I really thought about it, I just thought, well, that kind of does make sense. You know, and I was glad that he told me that. Yep. Because at least if I, when I get, now that I find myself two years away from 10 years, I kind of go, well, that guy was, was right. And, and, you know, and, but look at all that has happened in that time. And I think that with the things I'm planning for next year and the year after, and if hopefully I'm able to deliver them, I think I'm in a position to deliver them now had they come to my, to my, um, had the opportunities come to, to me back then. I don't think the stress of it, I could have kept, I could have, you know, dealt with. I don't think I was prepared in the first two to three years, but now I'm definitely prepared, prepared. I'm much more confident and, and I, and I'm, I'm much more uh, assured and, 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 and what I can do. And, and also I have purpose. And when you have purpose, nothing will stop you after that. I truly believe that. I think once you find purpose in life, that's like getting up to do it in the morning, going to bed, you're wake up thinking about it, you go to bed thinking about it, but it's a joy. It's, it's not like a stressful thing. It's, 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 it's a love. I love it. I, I just absolutely love it. So, um, you know, I just can't wait to continue and let's see what the, the next few years has to come. Well, I, I've got to say at this part, and we've, we've already been going for nearly an hour now, and I've loved every second of it. And, and Futsal is a better place in this world, Stephen, because of you and your website. And let me tell you, I, I know that Stephen is, is one of the modest people, modest people that I've ever met. And he doesn't like to brag about things. He's not that type of person. But his website is getting millions and millions of attractions on a yearly basis. And it's doing incredible things for the for, for um, Futsal on a global basis. I just thank you for coming on the show today, Stephen. You, you've got an incredible story. And you're, you're such a great guy. People should be listening to every second of this, this interview. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on, Steve. And, and um, taking an interest in in futsal, taking an interest in futsal focus and giving me the time to tell a little bit of my story. And hopefully for the people listening, um, hopefully you, you take something out of it. If you have any, any dream of anything, all I can say is, is don't overthink it. If you dwell too much on something, you may never do it. If you really love it, just go do it and you'll never regret it because with everything that's happened for me up and down, I don't regret anything. And I, I just so excited and looking forward to, to tomorrow and next month and, and next year to see what else can happen. And, and if you love something you're doing, then it's, 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 it's a joy. It's, it's, it's not work. So just go out and do it. Just drop that mic because that was fantastic. Uh, thank you, Stephen. <laughs> that was brilliant. Thank you so much. Everybody, thanks thank for listening. You. That was a brilliant, brilliant show. I loved every second of it. Until next time. Bye for now. Everyone, thank you for listening. Please send us your feedback on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. And don't forget to review us on your favourite podcast app.